Good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to our final Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection for this week. And uh, sorry it took me a while to get everything up and running. Uh, but I hope that you've enjoyed this study. Um, this text of Scripture and the truths that uh, we are unpackaging this week are very much foundational. And I want to go back to those questions that we asked um, on the very first day um, when we were dealing, do, dealing with our introduction. But I'm going to pause before we get there. And I'd like us to read the text together again and then look at some applications. So here's what the Word of God says. Luke chapter 11, verse 23. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return into my house whence I came out. When he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they entered in, and dwelt there. The last state of that man is worse than the first. Verse 28, And he said, Blessed are they that hear the word of God, and keep it. Now this entire week we've been talking about this distinction between two different systems, or approaches, to building one's life on. It's almost like the picture, and we will get there at some point later on in our study through the Sermon on the Mount on Wednesday nights. And Jesus tells the story of a man who built his house on a rock and a man who built his house on the sand. Both houses were tested in a storm. The house that was built on the rock stood. The house that was built on the sand collapsed. And the difference between the two was not the nature of the houses themselves as much as the foundation that the houses were built upon. The foundation of the gospel and the truths that are found in Christ's teaching or the foundation of the rabbis, which in some ways would have looked very similar on the outside, yet at the heart level, on the surface, while there were similarities at the heart level, at the foundational level, they were radically different. And so the question we want to ask ourselves this week is how do we apply what we've learned? Well, let me give you this first application. We have to, we must, it's imperative, that we build our lives on what is true. What has the power to save a person from eternal destruction? And what has the ability to transform the heart from within? Number two, we, what we feel about what we believe or what we're hearing, it is irrelevant. It's not what makes it true. Truth doesn't become truth because of how we feel about it. Truth is true because it's consistent with reality. And so our feelings don't matter when it comes to this issue of what is right and wrong. Number three, I'd like to read to you an excerpt from a book that I really enjoy called Christless Christianity by Michael Horton. In this book, he begins the book with a statement from a person who was once a pastor in Philadelphia many, many years ago. His name was Donald Barnhouse. And this is what the excerpt says. What would things look like if Satan took control of a city? If Satan took over Philadelphia, what would it look like? And this is what he poses. All the bars would be closed. By the way, it'd be good if the bars were closed and people weren't getting intoxicated and going home and, and wasting their money and beating their, their wife and children and being irresponsible husbands, fathers, wives, mothers. That would be a good thing. He then goes on pornography banished. It would be a great thing if pornography was not accessible in this country. It would save a lot of marriages, 
a lot of people who are enslaved uh, to these passions would not have the problem, okay? Banished, pristine streets would be filled with tiny pedestrians who smiled at each other. There was no swearing. Children would say, yes, sir, no, ma'am. Now, those are things that we would enjoy seeing in society, a well-ordered society, a clean society, a moral society. We'd want that. But here is the key to where Donald Barnhouse goes. He says all the churches would be filled every Sunday where Christ was not preached. The point was, if Satan can dupe you by enslaving you to lustful passions, he'll do it. If Satan can dupe you by emboldening you in your self-righteousness and giving you the false impression that you're okay and you're a good person and you're okay with God, well, that's even more detrimental because at least the person whose life is enslaved to sin realizes through the harsh consequences of sin that there's a problem. And all the people around them realize that there's a problem. But when a person is duped by a moral system that has replaced the gospel, then everyone around them thinks that they're good. They think that they're good. In fact, their position is celebrated. And what happens is they continue to embrace a lie. He then goes on to say this, it is, more e it, is e it, is more e it is easier to become distracted from Christ as the only hope for sinners, where everything is measured by our happiness rather than God's holiness. The sense of our being sinners becomes secondary, if not offensive. If we're good people who have lost our way, but with the proper instruction and motivation can become better people, we need only a life coach and a redeemer. And by the way, sadly, that is where a lot of Christian morality and moralism finds itself. Only the gospel and the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration can save a person from eternal destruction and transform them from within. So I go back to those questions that we posed earlier this week. Is there hope for this nation? The answer is, of course there is. Question two, what is the hope? Well, the hope is the transforming power of the gospel. I'm not suggesting that it would be bad for the nation for us to have better leaders. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm not suggesting that it would be bad for a nation if people lived cleaner, more moral lives, and they actually followed biblical principles in the way they lived their lives. That would be good for society on a surface level. However, that would not have the power to transform people. And what we would be looking at would simply be a facade. It would be giving us a false assurance, a false hope, a false confidence, and eventually it would implode once again. How should we pray for this country? We should pray that God would take those churches that are true churches of God, where the gospel is being preached, and he would revive those churches and build those churches, that he would send a spiritual awakening to those churches. And as those churches were healthy and strong and vibrant, they would begin to reach into their communities and massive numbers of people would be drawn to the truth through the witness of strong, vibrant, healthy churches. That's how we should be praying for this land, that God would send a reviving to his people and an awakening in this nation. You say, well, how can I contribute to that? Do I have the power to revive the church? The answer is, of course not. Only God can do that. But what I can do is I can contribute to the good of this land through the choices that I make. And I can wait on the Lord 
and pray that he will do a work that is beyond my ability as one individual. How do you do this? Well, first of all, don't build your life on lies. Develop biblical discernment so you know what is right and what is wrong. And you're living according to what is true and right, not according to lies. Prioritize yourself correctly so that the decisions that you prioritize, the things that you are most concerned about, are the things that are the most necessary, the most needful, the most important. Love the gospel because that is what has the power to save a person and transform their life. Live like a real Christian. May our lives be conformed to the position that we have. We are called saints because we are saints. We should live like we are saints. We should point our children to Christ. Live faithfully before them. And live faithfully where we are planted in society. God has put each of us in different places. And in those places, if we will live consistent with our position in Christ, it will make a stunning difference. God can work through us as he has with other generations. And lastly, I mentioned this, and this is not the least in any way. Proclaim the gospel wherever God opens the door of opportunity. If you have an opportunity to speak of the saving message of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us on the cross, his resurrection, and his righteousness available to us, a salvation that is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, then by all means, proclaim the message when you have that opportunity. That's our encouragement this week. So throughout the rest of this weekend, I pray that you'll think about these things. There'll be an encouragement to you. And Lord willing, we will meet on Sunday. Have a blessed day. Bye now.